You know Black Hollywood Live as the world's first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment, but not just African-Americans. Today, you will meet a white male whose talent and political views may sound contradictory to the typical or stereotypical white mentality. I'm Kalima, and this is Black Hollywood Live Conversations. You are tuned in to Black Hollywood Live Conversations. Yeah. <laughs> I love this, like, vibe. Yeah. You're listening to Tom Earl's new song right now and introducing the man himself, Tom Earl. Hey. What's up? <laughs> Tell us about, let, let, let's just get into this okay. a little bit. One more little, it's a nice voice. Little box, let the go. Man, I'm up the top, yeah. One more I love it. I love it. And Thank so you. you wrote this, of course. Yep, wrote, recorded, produced. What's mixed, the name of it? Mas- tell, tell it's called One More Box. One More Box. Yeah. What's the inspiration? How did it come about? Uh, so I was, I'm, I moved, before I moved to California, okay. I was in Wisconsin. Okay. So born and raised in Wisconsin. Okay. And uh, then I went to Florida. So before I moved from Wisconsin to Florida, I had one more, this guitar I borrowed from my ex-fiance. Yeah. And I had to give it back to her before I moved out of the state. So it was like this last thing that we both shared that I had to give back. And one little box. Well, then I was like, it can't be one more little, little guitar. So I just was like, I kind of like then took myself back to when we lived together and what it was like to move out you know what I mean I so I took it. I took myself back to that place see I never understood the backstory I did hear the song yeah. and never never understood the, the backstory and I love actually hearing that yep yes um so yeah we me and Tom actually met in Florida in- I didn't realize that you started in Wisconsin yep yes that's yep. awesome okay so where I guess let's let's jump into this interview Boom. actually yeah so you may have seen him on BuzzFeed or read about him in the Huffington Post. He's a poet, musician, feminist, and Muslim. Welcome. Yes, welcome. Hey. Thank you so much for coming to, you know, Black Hollywood Live today. It's, it's an honor to be here. Thanks yes, for having me. Yes. It truly is. Yay. So, um, you know, you call yourself a feminist. That yeah. was the first thing that jumped out at me on okay. um Actually, on your Instagram, at Tom Earl. Okay. But um, just your website alone, TomEarl.com. Um, you're not, you don't call yourself a male feminist. True. Why are you a feminist and what does feminist mean? Ah, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, for me, I was really lucky to when I learned about feminism, I was able to skip the kind of like what some people call like white feminism or like kind of the biased feminism where you believe like, hey, let's all like just have equal rights to white men, right? That's right. kind of what people say that white feminism is. Right. Whereas when I learned about feminism was in when I was getting my degree in Africology, our okay. teachers introduced us to people like Angela Davis, Audre Lorde, and learned about feminism that believes that we have to eliminate all forms of discrimination right. and eliminate the system that creates all forms of oppression for us to all get free. Yeah. So that's what that's what I subscribe to, that form of feminism. And uh, Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. So then I think it's also centered in, you know, elevating and uh, to women's voices. Yeah. You know what I mean? And what's crazy is even hearing you talk right now, I literally cannot wait for you guys to hear him um, do two of your poems. You have two, per- two or one today. 
I, Two. I, have, I have a a lot of poems. I know. So, so we'll we're actually gonna, we we're, yeah, for. we're gonna see how much we have time for. But cool. more than likely, we'll we'll try to get to. And Wonderful. I cannot wait for you guys because because hearing this backstory, you're going to you're going to understand a lot more once we get into this you know entertainment aspect of you know you as an artist in general. Wonderful. Um, yeah. So you got a degree in Afro. What is it? So the, at that school, they call it Africology. Some Africology. schools call it Black okay. Studies. Some call it Africana Studies. Why were you interested in that? Uh, so I had started off as jazz guitar major. Okay. So that's what I was taking. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, was really, I started listening to, like, um, Dead Prez. Okay. And so I started looking up a lot of their lyrics they talked about and mm-hmm. became really, like, inspired and passionate. And I I'd always, like, was interested in how do I become a leader to create a better world. Mm, wow, okay. And so when I started taking Africology classes, immediately after you left class, you looked at the whole world differently. That's the best kind of I class. I had like more self-awareness of my identity and wow. context. Uh-oh. So, <laughs> Sorry, go It's ahead. all good. It's all yeah, good. Yeah. So, you know, that was to me like, where else can I have this? Where I have an amazing group of fellow students and brilliant professors that really push you to have self-awareness, yeah. to take ownership of what your privilege. What school was that? that? That had to be a good professor. It was. They were really awesome. It's called the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Okay, yeah. okay, awesome. So that that was why. It was like, it really was, I was passionate about how can I create a better world. And they gave me the, the tools and the knowledge and the self-awareness to begin doing that. Right, right. So. Okay, awesome. What would you say is um, the biggest challenge that you've had in life in general and, you know, maybe maybe with your career and, and just your perspective on trying to make the world a better place? My biggest challenge, I, I you know, like, uh, there's a really great series of lectures by Bell Hooks at the New School. Okay. So people can just Google that. Bell Hooks at the New School. Okay. A whole series of awesome ones. She's got like Janet Mock, Laverne Cox, like some really awesome, Melissa Harris Perry. Wow. And so at the end of one of them, she said like, our job as all of us, but especially white people, mm-hmm. is to deinstitutionalize the white supremacist capitalist patriarchy mm-hmm. that you've been taught. So that's like, to me, that's the constant thing. Every day waking up, and trying to have more self-awareness, right. more self-accountability, right. more personal responsibility, and constantly like uprooting. What are the things I wasn't aware of? What were my blinders? Yeah. And then, you know, working through that so that I no longer am controlled by those biases. So, so you, your CC, see, and this is, this is why um, I definitely thought it was so important to bring you on because it's so hard as an African-American to not seem biased when I'm trying to communicate to a Caucasian about the life, the life that we live. You're the first person that I've ever <laughs> met that really gets it. How did you get it and how can you relay that to, how do you relay that to other white people? Well, so what I do professionally, yeah. in addition to music and poetry, yeah. is I bring diverse groups of people together to engage in dialogue and cross-cultural interactions. Okay. So there's lots of like tools and workshops that I'm trained in, for instance, in taking a group of people to reflect upon what is the privilege and power that I have in my life. Oh, interesting. So you can do that. Some people have you like, everybody starts off on a line, and then you say like, step forward if you know, take two steps forward if you're white or take a step forward if you had your parents read you when you were a little kid or take a step back if your parents didn't graduate from high school. So you say all these things, right? And then you look around the room and see, well, based upon these questions. Excellent exercise. So then, then after that, 
you take so it's an experiential thing right where I really I didn't lecture to you yes. you answered it yourself yes. and then we talk about it so my thing is is that even when you have the data like for for me for some reason when I see the data that like wow I have a lot of privilege mm-hmm. for some reason my mind doesn't go to like super defensive or denial like mm-hmm. no that's bs yeah. i earned everything i have yeah but for some reason some people's people do. minds do yeah. so because i'm a practitioner of trying to get people to move through that i ask myself that question every day mm. and so why why do people when they see truth staring them in the face why do we go to denial in- to inter- minimizing to resistance i think and what i found is i think everything comes down to self-worth so, like, I think of people I know who they grew up wanting their parents' approval. For mm-hmm. instance, like a son wanting his father's approval. Mm-hmm. And their dad might be, like, this super misogynist racist. Yeah. And they found the way I get approval is by being a capitalist, right. making as much money as possible, right. and taking on your values of racism. Mm. So then if I was to switch and say, you know what, I didn't earn everything I have, and, you know, there is this system of racism... Now, to do that, in my mind, whether I realize it or not, I no longer get my father's love. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So how many people are willing to go through that fire? Interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah. And most people don't even realize that's what's coming up when I'm like, hey, so you have this thing called privilege, and you're like, I can't admit that. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it, it definitely has seemed to be something very hard to admit. It, you know, to the and I don't walk in and just like they don't walk in my shoes. You know, you all don't know how it is every single day. Like I don't walk in your shoes, so I'm like my only understanding is that it must be you know just privilege. Yeah. But if you're denying that constantly, maybe it's something else that I just don't get because I don't walk in your shoes. So it's really interesting to hear that you know sometimes they know they just can't admit it and they can't be open to the to that clear fact so for me like i believe in the process Uh the process is you get diverse groups of people together to have dialogue hear each other's stories and work through questions right so a lot of people have never been in a process like that the most times they've ever talked about diversity or inclusion is on facebook right is with people who think just like them Mm -hmm. but not many of us have had the opportunity to come into a space that's facilitated where there's an intentional process of creating safety that invites people to take a risk. And then you get to hear from somebody who's completely different from you. Like I know I've seen and heard and been a part of stories where like a high school student is identifies as a neo-Nazi and then gets in a part of a process that culminates in them hearing a Holocaust survivor story. Mm. And then at the end of that, they're done. Take off all their Nazi paraphernalia embrace the holocaust survivor and then become an advocate against anti-semitism so like there is a process of getting people involved in the conversation where you keep hearing different stories and then somebody like me or a different facilitator pushes you to keep asking well what are your values when did you first learn to think like this Mm. and untangling that you weren't born a racist yeah you learned it and now you've taken it on as a value so I've, I've gotten to see it and it works, but it's like you have to keep that person engaged. Right. What is the biggest lesson that life has taught you that maybe got you to that mentality? I, I think one of the lessons is that, so when I left the college, mm-hmm. the, like we had a really big picture of what the problem was. Okay. And so it was like, I didn't have a lot of solutions because it's an undergraduate degree. Okay. You go to your master's yeah. then to like master a solution. So instead I went to this, 
has joined um, AmeriCorps, which is the domestic version of the Peace Corps. Oh. And I went down to Florida, and I worked for this awesome organization called Community Tampa Bay, where I learned these tools and this process I'm talking about uh-huh. of dialogue and cross-cultural interactions, experiential learning. And that was my big aha moment in life, mm. was that like, so all of everything that we do is a learned behavior. Yeah. And it can be unlearned. And there are tools and be. processes yeah. that make even the most staunch, like, like, uh, person open up yeah. and reinvestigate what they believe. So that's to me, like, on those days where I'm like, oh, my God, this world, that's what I go back to. Mm-hmm. Is that, like, it is possible. Change is possible. Change is absolutely yeah. possible. Yes. So, um... So I kind of want to show some some throwback photos of you since it's Thursday. It is Thursday. It's throwback Wonderful. Thursday let's anyway. Do it. I always laugh when I get to see these okay, photos. Okay, great. Okay, let's so see first. let's see. Let's see which one we have first. So you guys, you guys have to understand the Tom Earl that you're seeing right <laughs> now is not the Tom Earl that I met. Okay, yes. So we're we're going to pull up those photos for you, but before we get to that, let yeah. me ask you this. Okay, ask me this. What is your biggest misconception in general not even by appearance but just like walking through life uh i i don't know do you do you get that a lot do you do you have any misconceptions biggest misconception i would say it depends on the person okay so i would say like for your mainstream white america Mm -hmm. the biggest misconception is that like uh, you can speak freely in front of me and I'm going to agree with you. Absolutely. You know, so it's like, oh, this, this, and that. And I'm like, mm-mm, you guessed wrong. So you call out every time? <laughs> yeah. You do. And sometimes calling out is like, if somebody comes up to me and I'm with somebody who's black or I'm with somebody who's a woman or both or somebody, you know, and they automatically defer to me like, oh, well, hey, you, here's the bill. Or, hey, you, let me ask you. Or, hey, you. Then I just, wow. I just like, with my body turn to the person I'm with and I'm just like to them I kind of like ignore them and turn their attention here like mm. like I don't let you just defer to me and then you kind of like realize like oh, it's oh. interesting that you see even the little subconscious um actions you know these are actions that we see exactly. every day I never I never thought like the the answer that okay well we actually have the photo up right now <laughs> now is this is this how, oh man how long ago was this and tell us about oh, this photo Lord have mercy I must have been 17 there 17 and that's tape I used to have uh, like huge blue spikes. Stop. That people had to get on chairs to help me because I couldn't, like, my, my arm couldn't reach how high it needed the spike. Wait, okay, do we have the other photo as well? Okay, we're going to pull up another photo of a completely okay. different hairstyle. Which hairstyle came first? Is this the beginning? Yeah, that was the beginning. Okay, that was yeah. the beginning. So we went from here, and you were rocking out. I was. I was really, punk rock changed my life. Right. Yeah. That's that's where I first learned. And about. your inspiration in music comes from all different genres, yeah, it huh? Does. It that's does. awesome. That's so awesome. So um, let's see. We have the next one coming in a second. But yeah, just just tell us about your music inspiration. As a matter of fact, because you this music that we were listening to in the beginning, where would you say that sound came from? Because yeah. that doesn't look like the same Th- person. That makes sense. So I'd say it's a culmination of all of it. Okay. So one thing I learned when we were doing punk rock is yeah. to do it yourself. So we recorded everything in our garage all by ourselves. So since I was wow. from the beginning. I had that mentality of recording it by myself. Right. And I would say um, 
you know, so the, the early foundations of that. My foundation of at school majoring in jazz guitar definitely influenced the way I hear things, okay. the way I play things. Um, I would say I really like, um, in all things I do, I really like like listening to the opinions of women. Like I value the opinions of women in my life. And so I also value music with strong female leads. You know, so like Beyonce, Lauren Vula, Leanne Le Havas, Nicki Minaj, like people like that really inspire me. Plus their music is really genius. And why women specifically? I, I found in my life that women, especially women of color, when I like am able to be in their presence where they're teaching mm-hmm. or sharing their opinions, like it gets to the point the quickest. Maybe it's because of the experience of living through the society we do. Right. But I found it's like, I'm lied to the least when it comes to what does the world look like. Now, what about, what about, um, family, female family in your life? I mean, I have amazing women in my life for my family. Did it begin there? Probably. I remember (laughs) when I was really little, like 12, the high school I was going to, um, a famous football player from the Green Bay Packers was involved in was accused of assaulting somebody from my high school. Oh, wow. And I said to my mom, this is horrible, but I said to my mom, well, why was she even there? Mm. And my mom pulled over the car and just about slapped me. Stop. And was like, how dare you accuse a woman of being assaulted? Like, I don't ever want to do that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And that absolutely. to me was like, that shit's really... I mean, to have your mom call you out on that at a young age, you make sure you're... I'm never going to do that again. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I had really amazing feminist women in my life. My... Both my sisters rock. My oldest sister, she's a, has her PhD. Oh wow! So I think it's like three percent of women in the country have their PhD, something like that. Yes. Wrong. I think she told me that maybe it's five. Okay. So. Um, well, sorry guys, we're having a bit of technical difficulties. I think we're back on. But you were telling me about your mom. Yes. Test, test. One, two. Yes, we're good. We're, we're, good. Good. we're good. Cool. So. Go ahead. And my other sister, Bumps. You know, she's super awesome. She's. Runs oh. a nonprofit, so I've had amazing women in my life growing up, you know. Okay. So that is so awesome. Okay, great. So, um, Do you want me this to... is this. Wait, but is this your first? This is not your first single, though. It's not. How no. How would you describe your genre of music? Can you describe it? I hate when people ask me. I'm a musician as well. Yeah. I sing. I hate when people ask me that, but. I do try to explain, like, maybe with, you know, my inspirations. I guess you Mm -hmm. you can go into that. And just, you know, artistry in general. That makes sense. So I I would say that the harmonies, the melodies, is largely influenced uh, probably by the simplicity of, like, Beatles rock, Rolling Stones rock, Mm -hmm. punk rock. Um, The beats are definitely inspired more by hip-hop. Yeah. You know, because my intention was, especially when I came to L.A., you know, like the South, laid back. The Midwest, laid back. Some people describe L.A. as laid back. I wouldn't. To Mm. me, like, your sound can get drowned out in L.A. that quick. Wow. So I wanted sound that, like, pushed through and made people dance. Right. So then I went to to hip-hop. And you make your own beats as well. I do, yeah. Wow. And you taught yourself, huh? I did. That that in YouTube. That is... Okay. (laughs) You can learn anything on YouTube if you have patience and diligence. It's true. Yes, yes, yes. I I mean, almost everything. I actually just had to build a futon. If you guys watch my Snapchat at Lima007. If you saw, I had to build my own futon. And yes, um, if it wasn't for YouTube, I wouldn't have been able to understand which screw goes where. But um, that's that's so... Yeah. yeah, That's very, very true. Go ahead. And then I 
would say, you know, I'm a spoken word artist. So yeah. spoken word and the deliverance of it, the way I articulate, the way I approach it, is it definitely influenced the the lyrics, the words, how okay. it goes. All so, right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, another thing that I saw on your website, which really stuck out to me, it says... Tom Earl believes that when you truly speak, when you truly seek to know one another, everything is possible. Um, we're going to get into a little political conversation Let's here because it. Trump is winning, okay. obviously. Um, and actually, he's he's gone down a little bit. It's been a little 50-50, but um, the division is not unity. Um, mm-hmm. Why why does he have so many supporters and how would you, how how would the world be different if we were more open and accepting of others? You know, where and where do we start? Because it, you know, how, how you're saying, you know, if we seek to know one another, mm-hmm. everything is possible. How does that relate to the political situation yeah, right now? Yeah, it's a great and relevant question. Yeah. So I had the opportunity to be a facilitator at the Museum of Tolerance. So it's a Holocaust museum. Okay. So I was working with, um, I was a part of a team that trained around 3,500 teachers a year in anti-bias wow. education. So I would get to see like people from the political spectrum, super conservative to super liberal, go through an experiential process of learning what the Holocaust is. Mm. So what it is specifically is there's a part where for an hour and a half you go through a series of like, like, you'd see a TV like this, and it'd play something, and then you'd come to something else, and it'd ask you questions. Okay. And so, one part they that you would hear is that they talk about how Hitler kept saying, make America great again. Mm. And how Hitler would say, people would say, like, well, Hitler's just, like, this, like, character. Like, he's never going to become power. Nobody will ever vote for him. Wow. He's just, like, this crazy guy. It's just a joke. Mm-hmm. That's what people used to say about right, Hitler. Right, So, you'd see people come out, and even the conservatives would say, like... Wow, history is repeating itself. Right, right. And so now they have the context, and they can hear <laughs> yeah. when someone like a Donald Trump says "Make America Great Again" just after a black president. Right. That that it's 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 like he's saying it for a reason. Yeah. There's a specific point right. he's trying to push on people's emotions. And if you're grounded in historical context, if you're aware of like the buttons he's trying to push, you become aware. You're like, wow, I didn't know. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so many people, we just automatically react of course somebody says something and you're like yeah yeah so there is a group of you know white people who are feeling like well you know this is this all this diversity stuff really means the end of white people Mm. and really what they're feeling for the first time is like hey what would a world live like where you didn't have the privilege you did yeah and instead of being like i believe in inclusion and diversity Mm -hmm. and that it'd be good for us to all have power that we'd share power yeah they want to hold on to that stuff yeah especially when somebody's pushing your buttons and you're just not self-aware enough to realize it right like it's it's literally like when you have a like an ad that Mm. runs and they start by saying like this is it explicitly what they say but the undertone is don't you think you're ugly I bet you think you're really ugly. Yeah. Look in the mirror and realize you're ugly. That's so funny. Did you know that if you wash your hair with this Everybody will think you're beautiful. You'll get a job and finally get married and have a kid. And you're like, I better get that thing. And and we don't even realize we're being wow. manipulated like that. So wow. then, Hitler, I mean, not Hitler, yeah. Freudian slip. When somebody like Trump runs his ads, they have that same level of psychological oh my goodness. sophistication. Totally, totally. It might sound like he's like just saying stupid yeah, things. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like Hitler's minister of information said, if you repeat a lie often enough, people will believe it. And that's why like, the Economist, their front page a few weeks ago was that basically talking about how 
like you can lie now in politics explicitly. Like Trump, even if you fact check somebody like Trump, yeah. people don't care. They don't care. As long as you keep saying, you know, lock up women, yeah. we're gonna deport uh, you know, Mexicans, we're gonna get rid of Muslims. If you as long as you keep saying that, you can lie about whatever you want. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Wow, that's so true. I, I also think though that the reason that they're tied is because on the other side, like Hillary at the same time isn't a um like she's not a uh, radical or a um, super progressive Democrat. Yeah. Like she's still a big supporter of war. She's a big supporter mm-hmm. of things that like we that there's you can't really create a movement around. Mm. So it's super awesome that she's a woman. It's she's still opposing Trump, but you know a lot of people are ready to rally around someone like a Bernie Sanders. Right. Where it's really like questioning and pushing against this system that creates massive debt, mm-hmm. you know, all these different things. So do you think it's still like, what do you say to people who are just like, there's no point in even voting? You know, yeah. I like as an African-American, like we fought for our, our rights to finally vote and women in general too. But so many don't, 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 they don't, they feel like it's rigged. They said there's, there's no reason. Do you think it's important to vote even? I, I think it's a person's each personal thing. Okay. Me personally, I would be more affected by Trump winning than Hillary. Okay. Right? So that's where my privilege lies. Okay. As I'm like, hey, as a Muslim, as somebody yeah. who believes in like creating a culture of diversity and inclusion, mm-hmm. I think that our lives would be more at risk than if we than if Trump won. Like right. I don't want to see that happen. Right. So then there's people in like Gaza or in the Middle East that are like Hey, but if Hillary won, like my life wouldn't get any better. Right. So like that's what privilege looks like is that I can navigate the space and say, well, I would prefer this person because they match my values more than others. Right. So if a person was to say, I'm not going to vote and they were Republican, I would say, awesome. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So like in the end, I'm like, I have my invested interest too. I'm not like, just vote for anybody as long as you vote. Like, I'm not going to be biased enough to say that. I think it's more of a commentary on the political... Uh, landscape we're in that mm-hmm. so many people feel like disinvested and like what's the point like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I do think that the system is set up to make um like people of color women young people anybody basically who's not like the demographic that voted for Brexit which was like older white men mm. like the system's to make designed to make everybody else feel like don't even vote mm-hmm. it's not worth it I really think because so neither candidate's really out for your best interest right. anyways mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so I think it's designed to make us all feel that way mm-hmm. so where would what does resistance feel like to you the most where do you feel like your way of pushing back against the system right. would be the most impactful and intentional mm-hmm. but as long as it's not from a place of like like I give up Mm-hmm. Right. You know what right, I mean? Right, right. So I want to put, um, can we put his song back on? Because we're going to do a 60-second Q&A. Okay. It's going to go really fast, and it's going to be random questions. Okay. And I want to, like, just get whatever's the first thing that comes to your head. I do this with all of my guests. So anytime you guys see me doing an interview, whether it's Spotlight on or Black Hollywood Live Conversations, I love to do a quick Q&A. Nice. Let's see if we can... So I just guess. answer it like this. You just answer quick answers. Whatever you can give me. Like, yes. I, I saw like the ones they do in like Vogue or something. Yes. Okay. Yes. Exactly. Cool. I love it. Yes. Cool. Okay. Let's see. And then um, I also recent 
the photo because there was another photo of the the, the a different Tom world than today that I just want to talk about because cool. it's about your life. I I just believe that life is about the journey. It's not about the destination, and it's really great to be able to accept and acknowledge yeah. where you were exactly. to, to where you came. So exactly. I think it's cool. Oh, actually, um, yeah. Let's let's do the song first, and we'll start. song <laughs> sorry for just talking to me you guys we are live we it's are good. live this is fun. it happens it's fun and we're on time so ain't nobody worried uh it's the song that we played for the opening well, yep one more box there it is you there got we it. go hey all right so let's, let's go um in three two one all right lauren hill or tupac Tupac. Money or love? Love. Success or fame? Ooh, success. Celebrity crush? Lupita. Lupita. <laughs> Kanye, genius or jackass? Genius. One thing or one thing on your bucket list? Uh, sold out stadium show. Success is? Uh, success is when opportunity meets preparation. Shag, Mary Kill, Nikki, Beyonce, Janelle Monet. Were those two different things? Shag, Mary, or Kill. Nick, Nikki, Minaj, Beyonce, Janelle Monet. You have to shag one, kill one, and marry one. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> Nikki, would you shag her, kill her, or marry her? Uh, I want to build with her. <laughs> okay, Beyonce? Uh, I want to build with all of them. Oh my god! Favorite food? Uh, favorite food, Ethiopian. Ah, oh, that's it. <laughs> All right, awesome. That was so cool. So now we gotta re- we gotta elaborate on these answers, though. You almost so made Keon- me a murderer and a cheater. <laughs> but it's funny. I think it's funny. You always it's it's funny to see what people would do if they had if they had three those three people and they had to like kill one. Yes. Um, Kanye, you said genius. Why? I mean, I think for one, the the body of work speaks for itself. Okay, okay. So as an artist, for sure. Yeah. What do you think about his ego? Um, I, I don't know. I honestly am not, like, involved enough in it to really... Okay. Like, when people say that, like, Kanye has such an ego, he's such, like, a jackass, uh-huh. I guess, like, I don't... Maybe I don't see the interviews or see the moments right. where it happens. All the artists I hear talk about how, like, like who have worked with him in interviews say, like, Kanye always tries to bring out your best. Like, he's always working with you. Yeah. So that doesn't, doesn't to me, sound like ego. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some people, when they see, like, a black man really speaking his mind and being confident, right. that they're like, ego, you know what I mean? So right, 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 right. I, 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 don't, I don't see it. So Plus, plus he's a celebrity. Like, people want to see right. people have big personalities and do their thing. Like, right. that's why him and his, his family that he married into, the yeah. Kardashians, that's why people... Like them. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? Follow them. Absolutely. Yeah. So here's that photo. Let's bring up that photo. <laughs> I actually really, really love this photo. Um, I'm Muslim as well, and this is very common for Muslim men to wear. And forgive me, I don't even remember. Thobe. I just. Thobe. Yeah, yeah Thobe. So. Um, Tell us about this, cause you want you. If I'm if I'm gonna be honest with you, yeah, 
the dreads were everything for me. Like okay. I, I remember when I first saw you, he comes into the masjid and I'm just like, which is our place of worship, our church, our prayer. And I'm just like this white dude with dreads, super long dreads, meaning you didn't just think to get them. Like you've had <laughs> these dreads. I love them. And it said so much about you once you literally performed your poetry, which we're yeah. going to do in, in momentarily. Um, yeah, it, it, it said it just, you know, it, it's that whole stereotypical, I guess, maybe image where it was just like, this is a very organic, you know, person. Yeah. So why did you cut them? And why did you begin with them? Uh, so I began with them. First of all, when you asked me like, what's the biggest misconception? Yeah. That was way more alive when I had the locks. So why did I originally get them? Um, the person I was with at the time, my fiance, who was also ex-fiance, who was also about one more box. Okay. So she she was black, or she still is black, <laughs> yeah. and she uh, she wanted to go natural. So she wanted to lock her hair. Okay. So she was like, "Can I lock your hair first? So I was like, sure. So she started to lock my hair. Wow. And then she was like, well, let's just do it together. And this is too much. It, so cutting it was like letting go of that relationship because it was like a remember, rem- remembering her maybe? or No, it was, we, we were really good. Like we had a really smooth breakup. Okay, like okay. it was like, oh, like wow. a conversation, okay. a realization. There was tears, of course. But we're still really awesome friends. We talk once a month. We're still like ride or die for each wow. other. So that's all good. She was the first person I called though. I was like, hey, this is happening. Just want you to know. I didn't tell anybody else. I just went for it. Wow. So so then why, that was why I had them. And then I think also while I was majoring in Africology, mm. then I started to learn about like the history of locks and how for some people it's like a political statement against wow. the system. So yes. I think all of that went into it. A lot of people I admired had locks. So a lot of that went into it. Mm-hmm. Um so then I had my hair for nine years, seven years into it, then I started to learn about cultural appropriation. Wow. So seven years later, I don't, I, I wish somebody pulled me right away and was like, hey, there's this thing called cultural appropriation, but that's the power of the internet is now it's like a conversation that can become at my fingertips. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I was it's very attached to them by that point. I mean, I had them for seven years, mm-hmm. worked on them every day. They were down to my waist. Yes. I mean, there's a huge part of my identity. But I had to, like, come to to terms with that. That, like, okay, well, I believe that there is a thing called cultural appropriation. I do believe that by having locks, I'm participating in that. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. as somebody who works to be an active Mm anti-racist, how do I feel about that? Mm -hmm. So it's a question I would ask myself Mm -hmm, all the time. mm -hmm, And when people would say, like, don't you think that what you're doing is cultural appropriation? I would say... It is. I agree. Mm -hmm. But I've had them for seven years. I'm trying to get over this. Mm -hmm. So on the anniversary of Mike Brown's murder, I was just like, literally, when I looked at the reaction of other people who look like me, they were mostly upset that that the night before, Bernie Sanders got interrupted by Black Lives Matter speakers in Seattle. Mm -hmm. They were mostly upset about that. Mm -hmm. I didn't really see very many people saying, like, what are we going to do? There still hasn't been justice for Mike Brown. (laughs) Yeah. So... Like, not to be dramatic, this is literally what happened. Yeah. That night I went to bed and, like, prayed to God on my knees, like, what can I do to be more accountable? Mm. Like, because that's always my number one thing. It's like, if you want to be a, like, ally, it comes down to personal responsibility, first mm-hmm. and foremost. Mm-hmm. So what am I missing, God? That's what I asked. Went to bed. Before I even lifted my head off my pillow, mm. I heard, cut your hair. Stop. And that was it. Then I was like, I went to work and, like, couldn't even concentrate. I was like, this is not what I was expecting. <laughs> It's not the yeah. answer I wanted, but it yeah. rarely is. 
You know what I mean? And and you knew it. You knew that was the answer. I couldn't deny it once it was there. Mm-hmm. To like hear it so explicitly mm-hmm. in such a short period of time. So pe- maybe people who don't believe in God's like, well, it's probably your conscience <laughs> saying it. I don't know, but I did hear it right yeah. after that prayer. Yeah. So by noon that day, I texted one of my friends and was like, do you cut men's hair? And she's like, yes, why? Stop. I was like, will you cut mine? So. Oh, wow. So then I think like a week later it was gone. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Do you still have them? Some people keep I their do. Dreads. They're in a box. Most people keep their dreads. <laughs> yeah. I got to do something with them. Like throw them off a cliff or bury them <laughs> under a tree or drop them in the ocean. Like something's got to be done with them. Then like put them in the city garbage. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, no. You have to. Yeah. Like almost like a commemoration kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's get to poem number one. Tell okay. us how it like introduce the poem. Let us know what. About it, you already know how it is, and and hopefully, um, do you still do your poetry open mics mm-hmm. or? Because yep. I definitely think that that's so important. Like after after they see this talent, I really do believe that it's something that could change anyone. I'm not, I'm I, I I've done poetry just in my room, just a regular girl, you know, doing poetry. But you gave me a whole nother perspective on how that. to do poetry that's and how easy it is, but how beautiful mm. it can be. I would love to record that testimony. Effortlessly. Oh, you're going to have it. You're going to have it. This is going to be on YouTube, guys, as soon as this is done. So, and it's, you're probably watching it live on YouTube now. So yeah, absolutely. Definitely. But is there a poem that you've heard me do that you were hoping I would do? Or there's literally every poem that I've ever heard has been amazing. Um, I'm, I, I don't have a, I don't really have a favorite. Um, let me start with this one. Okay. And we can talk about it afterwards. Does that sound good? Yeah, of course. Okay. Where do you want me to look? Let's look. I don't know. What where do you feel comfortable? Look here. Okay. <laughs> Talk to the viewers. Okay. <laughs> How come it always seems like I return to my insecurities? It's like they're this blanket and I'm cold. I always seem to wrap myself in their fold, but if truth be told, it doesn't leave me feeling very whole. Internal conflicts leave me feeling pulled like a saint in fasting. One part wants to tear me apart while the other whispers that there's love everlasting. But it seems like I'm gripped by that fist of suffocating despair. So I try to count the blessings in my head. But you know how that list goes when that desperate shadow grows. Your list doesn't get you very far. And pretty soon from afar, you sound like a drunk at the bar murmuring, Why? Why does it always seem like I return to my insecurities? Now, Something in me knows that a part of this has to come from growing up in a society where logically no one can ever truly be enough. Never rich enough or smart enough or dumb enough or pretty enough or skinny enough. Sacred standards of beauty we all take on as our personal duty to emulate and incorporate into our lives and subconscious minds giving rise to our values and actions. Just pay me a compliment and watch my negative reaction. Even though when we're asked, well, why is what's considered beautiful even considered beautiful? Mm. We all get so defensive and apprehensive because we know deep down inside we're defending a lie. But still, it's something most of us knowingly or unknowingly by that's why when I look in the mirror I curse my skin and my face and my hair and my nose you know how it goes Mm. it was just an offhand comment someone made and yet it set off this spark in my brain and now every time I look at this reflection of mine it's my deformities I see staring back at me 
So now it's time for the protein shakes, diets, and pushing and pumping the weight so I can push myself away from my internal self-hate as I struggle with different rates of anorexia. I'm telling you, men struggle with it too, but I'm supposed to be tough, so I can't ask you for help when the going gets rough. So instead I pray, please call me on this masculine bluff because right now I'm feeling like I could never be enough. It's like I said, how come it seems like I return to my insecurities? Mm. But you want to know what I've been realizing as I've been staring into all of your eyes? Is that you are truly the definition of beauty. Just the way that you are too. Let me tell you, if a shooting star was to come sailing across the sky, I'd let it pass by. For I'd rather use the time to let you know that not only are you from head to toe the epitome of beauty, but you are also full on brilliance. Your mind has the power to change this world. So not only are you dead sexy and a genius, but I love to hear your laugh. I love your smile. I love your style. To know strength is to walk in your shoes for a mile. Now I can hear you thinking, he don't even know me. This can't be about me, but I believe everything happens for a reason at a specific time and purpose. And this moment and purpose is for you to remember that you're wonderful. And so in this moment of vulnerability, I had a, true sincerity for by realizing all the infinite ways I love you I remembered and realized that I also love me so thank you wow boom that is absolutely amazing thank you very amazing yeah that was so that was I appreciate that like emotional for me I appreciate um, that. Yeah, and, and you do it every time. That's why I was like, there really isn't a favorite because it's so true. So, so true. Um, So Thank literally you. as you were speaking, I'm like, what was the one that I saw on, I literally saw on Facebook and I shared it. I probably shared it. Have like two or three pages on yeah. Facebook. I literally shared it to all white Jesus. Okay, yeah. Do this one. Okay, go okay. for it right now? Yes. Okay. So this one's called White Jesus. If you want to give us an introduction or maybe talk about either one of them, both of them after, totally. Okay. Okay. White Jesus wakes up in the morning and talks to God in American. He yawns like a tiger, combs his long blonde hair, carefully applies his Axe body spray, looks at his reflection shimmering back in the mirror and exclaims, God damn it, you look good, White Jesus. <laughs> Gets through with his morning pep talk, looks at his red, white, and blue themed calendar and sees the reminder that tomorrow is his birthday. (laughs) Now, most people think he was born on the 25th, even though he insists that's not the day angels announced his presence. Nor is that the time three wise men brought him expensive but totally baby inappropriate presents. So then when his actual birthday does roll around, no one's there to wish him a happy solar return. Life is rough for white Jesus. Now, before we get any further, let me clarify, because God knows I don't like to offend people. Jesus, the Nazarene, Isa, the son of Mary, have no worry if you believe in him, because this is not about him. As are all things, this is about a white guy named White Jesus. And we have to realize that how could somebody born in the Middle East come out looking like a blonde-haired, blue-eyed European do? But I could understand how people get confused what with upstanding and reliable sources of information like Fox reassuring children that not only are Santa and Jesus white, but they're totally real. But white Jesus, he don't pay this any mind. It's Sunday and the game's on. And furthermore, it's his birthday. So let's get back to that. The birth of white Jesus was not immaculate. 
Didn't like the whole idea of a man not being required for conception. No, white Jesus is the definition of being created by men. But white Jesus thinks that we all bleed red. And he teaches that you don't need to say white every time you say white Jesus. It's more of a silent white. That's why people only add descriptors when they want to make others feel like an other. But still, can't we all be human? Human like white Jesus? Let's talk about this. On plantations, enslavers would read biblical proverbs to justify the use of torture and whips they'd use to rip the flesh of exposed black backs, each lash guided by the hand of a god who on Sunday all would be forced to worship and hear about how master must not spare the rod on servants. Scriptures reinterpreted to meet the needs of serpents, but let's be realist. White supremacist American values feel less religious and wholesome when the god you pray to looks exactly like those who you suffocate in bondage. No, for this to work, Jesus has to be white. Otherwise, good Christian white folk might not feel so right if the God they pray to looks exactly like those whose blood and pain makes the products they use every day. Things like iPhones, flat screens, clothing, diamond ring, gasoline. Oh, I, I jumped ahead a couple generations. I meant tobacco, cotton, and sugar cane. No, for this to work, Jesus has to wow. be white. He can't be Native American. Otherwise, how could you justify genocide? He can't be Asian. Otherwise, nuclear weaponry just doesn't have that same let freedom ring. He can't be from Iraq. can't be from Syria. He can't be a Jew. He can't be LGBTQ. No, God has to be white. Mm. Tell me this. If the God we pray to looked like those who our culture constantly exploits and describes as ugly and inferior, how long do you think a system like this would last? Either we'd have to get a new God or we'd have to get a new system. And so it was. White Jesus was born and continues to be adorned to this very day. I once did my research and learned that the further back you go in history, the darker and more feminine God gets. But white Jesus, he don't even break a sweat. Checks his armpits one more time and has to admit he smells pretty damn good. And he feels good too. Perfectly content to spend the rest of his days in total oblivion. I mean, why stir things up when everything's been created to benefit and honor you? Thank you. Wow. I'm sorry. I have to, like, you have to let it soak in. We'll let it soak. Let it marinate. Yeah, that's why they do. Yeah. You gotta let it soak in. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you. How do you remember so much? Because it all came from the heart in the beginning, so it just flows still every time. It does give you a jump start. Like when I, I, I read a bunch of poems at one time, like I'm working on lots of different things. And when I was trying to figure out which one to do, my, my previous coach, his name was Daytime, and he used to oh. always say, which one do you feel like you got memorized already? Okay. So you'd start there, but to get like, like that poem for some reason is, was the trickiest to memorize. I don't know why, wow. but you just have to practice it over and over again. And the way to do it is to practice while you're doing other things mm. like driving, showering, cooking, because if you can do it, like while you're being distracted by these other things, you can do it when you're like in a open mic right. and somebody turns on the blender to make a smoothie and you don't get distracted by that because you've already done it in LA traffic. It's a lifestyle. Or, yeah. And you, you must do it a lot. Do you write a lot? I do, yeah. I make sure, like, inspiration doesn't come to you. You got to go to it. And once you're there, once you get in the space, then it starts to pour through. Like, it's always with you. So yeah, it's always with you. You can't, like, be like, well, I'm not feeling inspired today. When you say that, you should replace the word inspired with hard work. I'm just not feeling like working hard today. You know what I mean? So oh. every morning I wake up, the first 15 minutes of my day, I always write. No matter what. Mm -hmm. Even if I'm not inspired, even if I just write, hello, 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 hello. 
always right every yeah. morning for 15 minutes. Wow. So, like, you just have to, like, build it in. Yeah. That's what, um, what's his name? The horror writer? Um. Not Ryan Murphy. No, um. I don't know why I'm blanking. He mm. writes books. Super famous author, written like a hundred books. Stephen King. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So he wrote a book on how to write. He just says that every morning, inspiration's waiting for you in your writer's chair, and you just gotta write every day. He writes sixty pages a day. That's his thing. Every wow. day, he writes sixty pages. That's how he has like a hundred books. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Woo. Okay. So um. Yeah. It's still, it's still like all, I think yeah. All ahead. those poems came from originally. You're asking about my open mic. They all started with the free write. Yeah, yeah. I believe in like if you want to become a good artist, the first thing to do is master your free write. Okay. So free write is where you just write without stopping for a set period of time. Mm. So in the writing, exercise you guys can do at home. Exactly. Yeah. Or like you were saying, I host a open mic that's like this live and online. Okay. Except that we can see you. It's like through a conference meeting, so we can all see each other. And I take you through a process, remember I believe in processes, yeah. that opens you up so that when you do your free write, it just comes out. So you guys must join him on this. Tell them yeah. how they can do it. So to, follow if, if Even if it's following you so you can let them know unless it's a regular thing. Go yeah, ahead. you can definitely follow me. All of my social media is at Tom Earl Artist. That's T-O-M-E-A-R-L Artist. Mm -hmm. But a good place to go to is TomEarl.com slash join. If you go to there... You can sign up, you can get a free download of the song you've been hearing, and then I'll email you all the details. But it's every third or fourth Sunday at noon, if you're on the West Coast, 3 p.m. if you're on the East Coast, 8 p.m. if you're in London. That's so, what's up, that's yeah. what's up. So yeah, and another thing I wanted to mention is that on your social media, you always ask life questions. Yeah. You just, like, when you, and, and it's the best when you're just, you know, you have normal timeline, normal things coming on, and then you just get this, like, five words, seven word <laughs> question that really kind of makes you stuck and you want to answer it and you join the conversation and it's a, it's a great way, if you enjoyed this conversation today, it's a great way to be in the daily conversation so definitely make sure that you follow Tom Earl. Appreciate and that. Yeah, and, and we're pretty much out of time but cool. I would love for you to um, go ahead and plug some other, unless, unless yeah just make sure you guys visit your website, Tom Earl, and anything else you want to plug before we leave yeah, I mean, I so I also, in addition, put out leadership videos yeah. every week, and I have a podcast called The Celebration. So if you're looking to like surround yourself with inspiring content, inspiring interviews, in addition to following Black Hollywood Live, yeah. I suggest, you know, go to tomrell.com slash join. You can join there, and I'll send them to your email. Otherwise, all of my social media, Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram, is at tomrellartist. <laughs> And I'll be launching an online academy called the Celebration Academy in the next two weeks. It'll yeah. be a place for people who feel like they have something to contribute to the world to make it a better place. We're going to hone that skill and let you use it so you can increase your success, your relationships, all those things. So check it out. That's it, guys. Yeah. Major, major key. Make sure you guys do that. And remember to follow me everywhere at Kalima Music Art Wisdom. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank this you. has been Black Hollywood Live Conversations. From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. 
For questions and comments, contact us. Info at BlackHollywoodLive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio. Instagram at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.